looking forward to continuing this study on on the subject of onward Christian soldiers. And uh, I'm particularly putting an emphasis on this generation reaching and equipping and enabling and propelling the next generation. And it fits hand in glove with uh, our emphasis on the Generation Next meeting coming up this week. Uh, words getting out. I pray that we have good numbers uh, in spite of all that's going on in the world right now. Uh, just pray for God's favor and his protection and his anointing. Most importantly, that souls will be saved, that lives will be transformed, and that maybe families can be put back together. Maybe wayward children can come to know the Lord. Amen. Teenagers can get saved and give their hearts to God. I'm I'm looking looking forward to seeing what all God may have in store. Uh, but if we don't win the children, the the next generation, even the young adults at this point, uh, my friend, uh, then we're in trouble. So uh, Joshua represents that generation coming after the death of Moses. Uh, of course, the text that we're in today is not quite that advanced into the story yet, uh, but it fits within the whole storyline of that transition between the wilderness and the promised land, and uh, and how that, just because one generation failed to see the promised land doesn't mean that the next generation is going to fail to see the promised land. Amen. Did you just catch what I said? Just because Moses' generation failed to see the promised land don't mean Joshua's generation has to fail to see the promised land. And I want to speak to that for just a moment because some of you are living under the shadow of your parents' failures. Some of you are living under the shadow of your grandparents' failures. And you've been told your whole life that your family's never amounted to anything and it never will amount to anything. You might as well just accept your lot in life. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the difference maker. He's the one that can turn everything around. I remember when the gospel hit my family. I mean, uh, my my grandpa on my daddy's side died in a drunken stupor when daddy was just six years old. Daddy barely even remembered his daddy. I never got to meet my grandpa on my daddy's side. Daddy was a drunk for 20 years. Guess what? The gospel changed everything. And now look what God's doing in our family. Look what God's doing in Amy's family. A similar story. Her daddy had some substance abuse issues, but God intervened and turned the whole uh, trajectory and future of the family around. Just because the curse of sin lived in your family up to now don't mean it has to continue. Jesus Christ came to break the curse of sin And it's up to us to let this next generation know that they can get more victories than we did if they will be uh, more obedient than us and if they will believe God for more than we did. Can I get an amen? They don't have to accept defeat. Amen. They don't have to accept normal. Listen, defeat in the Christian's life is not normal. It's not what God designed us to live in. God did not design us to live in defeat, nor did he design us to propel that defeat to the next generation. If anything, 
we should strive to get close to God and encourage our children and let them know, listen, you don't have to make the same mistakes we did. And you can have a better life and you can have a better future. Listen, learn from my mistakes so that you don't have to make them. Let's be honest with where we've been, what we've done and what we shouldn't have done. And let's let's speak some hope and breathe some breath of life into the next generation to let them know that things can be different for them. I know as crazy as the world is right now, listen, we need to speak hope into their lives. They're, they're hearing fear. They're hearing all kinds of craziness and chaos all around them. If they can't get hope from uh, their parents and their preacher and their church family, who are they going to get hope from? So we got to reach them. Amen. we got to reach the Joshua generation. And so let's talk about it a few minutes. Uh, this second part of my uh, series, I'm calling it Looking for a Place to Cross. Amen. Joshua was looking for a place to cross. We was in Numbers last week, uh, chapter 13. And if you remember, they came back from spying out the land. Uh, Joshua and Caleb did. Uh, they came uh, back from spying out the land. And, uh, of course, 10 came back with the evil report and persuaded the majority of the people. Amen. I call it the majority report. They come back with a majority report. And I call it that because it won the hearts of the majority even though it was based on fabricated lies and fear. Amen. And, uh, and so because of the 10 doubting and, and the, the, the evil report they published throughout the land, they caused Joshua and Caleb and all of them to miss out for 40 years. Uh, but, but look at this. As they are trying to, uh, stamp out the bad news. Listen. It's not our job to repeat the bad news. It's not our repeat, job to repeat the negative news. It's our job to proclaim the good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Caleb stilled the people in verse 30, to remind you, and he stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. Last week I talked to you. I said that you know that Joshua was looking for a place to cross because he had a commanding attitude. And we dealt with that uh, commander attitude, that commander spirit, which we need. But today I want to focus on his confident attitude. He, he wasn't just commanding, but he was confident. Look at this. It says, for we are well able to overcome it. Now listen to me. Listen to me. God has thoroughly and throughly furnished the man of God and the people of God under every good work through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God. God would not give us an assignment that we could not only do, but that we could do well with His help. So don't buy into the lie that churches can't grow anymore that America might as well just hang up her hat and give up on revival. And we might as well just accept that it's the end times and it's the great falling away. And ain't nobody going to go to church anymore, so there ain't no use inviting them. Yeah, you can invite them till you're blue in the face. They just ain't going to come. Listen, as long as you believe they're not going to come, number one, they're not going to come because of your doubt. But number two, because you're not motivated to invite them. Amen. So what I'm saying is we need to develop some 
confidence, not in our abilities, but in the promises of God's word and in God's plan for us reaching our generation and the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say that within the pages of this word and within the possession of your being, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is all the tools that you need to do what God has called you to do to reach people with the hope of the gospel. More than you need programs, more than you need a degree, more than you need anything else. You need this book in your head and in your heart, and you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you have those two things, you can do things that the aged and the learned will never be able to do because a lot of them let their education get to their head, they let their degrees get to their head, and they sit there on the wall and collect dust, and they're cheaper than a, a, a cup of coffee, a cup of coffee if you uh, if you calculate how much it costs to print that degree, amen. And yet, uh, God's raising up people left and right that are just full of the Word of God and full of the Spirit of God. And I'm not knocking degrees, please. I'm actually studying for a degree. I am, believe it or not. I believe in being well-prepared and well-educated. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, so many times, we think that we don't are not yet able to do what God's called us to do. And so we put it off, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we pray, and we wait, and we plan, and we strategize, and we talk, and we wait. And we go on and on because we don't think that we're able to do it yet. And we wait until we can't wait anymore because we're out of time. At some point, we've got to get up and just do what God's called us to do and let God guide us in our steps as we go. You've got to have a confident attitude that God is going to guide your steps as you make progress. Somebody say amen right there. So, we are well able to do the work of God in this age. I want to say this. We are well able to reach the teenagers. Listen, we don't have to have smoke and fancy lights and loud music. You know how you win people? You love them to Jesus. Amen. You love them to Jesus. That, that, that Nothing speaks louder than the love of Christ. No amount of talent. No amount, no amount of treasures. Amen. Uh, you love people. You love teenagers right where they're at. And all of their quirkiness, amen, all of their growth that they're going through and trying to figure themselves out, uh, all the things you have to do to be patient with them, just love them. Spend some quality time with them. Let them know you care. And, yeah, they're going to act like they, they, they're too cool to be around you sometimes. But on the, on the, deep on the inside, they know who really loves them. And I'm telling you, the church is equipped to reach this next generation. We need the Spirit of God and the Word of God more than we need anything else. Amen. And so Caleb had a confident attitude. He knew, number one, who could do it. Caleb said, for we are well able. Notice this. Emphasis on we. He wasn't looking for somebody else to do it. He wasn't looking, he wasn't a talent scout looking for somebody else to uh, thrust the responsibility onto. He said, hey, we can do it. I can do it. As a Christian, I want you to know, church member, that you can be a soul winner for Jesus. You don't have to wait for the pastor to witness to him. You don't have to wait for your Sunday school teacher to witness to him. You, sir, you, ma'am, are well able to be a witness for Jesus. 
Don't wait for somebody else to do it. If you wait for somebody else to do it, it may never get done. Amen. So know who can do it. That's you and that's me. I want to ask you this. If not us, then who? If not us, then who? Who else is going to do this? Amen. Listen, we've been sitting on the sidelines too long. Many of us have wasted a lot of time thinking about and praying about doing, but never actually getting up and doing. Well, it's time to get going. Amen. So we can do it. Know that we, the Bible said it this way, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I think it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Listen, you got to have a confident attitude that when you step out uh, uh, in obedience to the Lord, that uh, faithful is he who hath called you who also will do it. But you need to have confidence in knowing that God can use you. Yes, all, I'm talking to all of you. I'm not leaving one of you out. No matter how awkward you may think you are, no matter how less talented or less resourceful, you may not think you can make much of a contribution. But listen, God has an assignment for you. And you need to learn what it is. You need to find what it is. Go to your prayer closet. Talk to God. Let the Holy Spirit of God speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit of God lead you and get some confidence that God can and will use even you and even me of all people. Amen. Listen, 1 Corinthians 1, 7, 27 says, For God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. God's not looking for the strongest and the brightest and the best. God's looking for the weak. God is looking for those foolish. Amen. God's looking for somebody that can't take the credit and can't take the glory. Well, that ought to make all of us shout. Amen. Because ain't not one of us uh, wise or mighty. Amen. Ain't one of us that can claim anything worth recognizing. And listen, I'm just being totally honest with you. And if you were honest with yourself, you'd have to say the same thing. We're not wise. We're not mighty. God chose us for that very reason because uh, we can't claim the credit. We can't take the credit. We can't take the glory. And the very fact that you don't think you can do it is the very reason that God has planned to use you. Because you have the right attitude that you can't do it without Him. But you can do it with him. Are you getting the message? Amen. If you're getting the message, tell me. I'm getting it. Hallelujah. All right. So no number one, who can do it? You can do it. I can do it with God's help. Number two, know this. You need to know how capable you are. Not only that you can do it, but that you can do it well. W-E-L-L. We are well able to overcome. I can do A-L-L all things. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, uh, he said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. God's looking for some people. Amen, brother. Amen, sister Kathy. God's looking for some people uh, with so much confidence 
that they realize that not only can they do what God's called them to do, but they can do it with an excellent spirit. And they can do it, uh, do it well for the glory of God. Listen, I'm not putting this stock in our talent. I'm putting stock in the calling. Faithful is he who has called you. Listen, God, uh, God is the one who enables you. God is the one who equips you. God, God looked ahead in time and he already knows your obstacles. He already knows your weaknesses. He already knows the mistakes you're going to make, but it didn't change his mind about who he was going to use. And so you can do it and you can do it well. And I want to encourage the church to always strive to do things with a spirit of excellence. Strive to do it with a spirit of excellence. I know we don't always meet the highest standard that we should meet. And we don't always meet the highest standard that we can meet. But we should always be striving for that. We should always be reaching and pressing toward that mark of excellence. Amen. And to not just do it, but to do it well. Listen, uh, whatsoever you do, the Bible says, do it heartily. Put your heart into it as to the Lord and not unto men. Amen. Uh, put your heart into it. Don't do things half-heartedly. Amen. Don't do things half-committed. Because if you do it half-committed, you only get it half or a quarter done. Amen. you got to go into it with the attitude, I'm going to finish what I started, and I'm going to do it with all of my might. And if it fails, it's not going to be because of my lack of excellent spirit or my lack of trying, but I'm going to do it with all of my might, and I'm going to trust God with the results. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to have confidence, not only in the fact that you can do it, but that you can do it well with God's help. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody might need to heed the call of God on your life. Somebody's been putting something off. God's been putting it on your heart to do it. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. But you need to know right now that not only can you do it, but you can do it with excellence. You can do it well and you can do it successfully. And God can use you mightily if you will just humble yourself to his call on your life and let him begin to mold you and make you into the uh, the vessel that he wants you to be. Amen. So know who can do it. Know how capable you are. And the last thing I want to say about this confident attitude is know what can be done. What can be done? He said we are well able to overcome it. It meaning anything that needs to be done to pull the job off. It is a little word that encompasses a whole lot of tasks. What What Caleb and Joshua were looking at is defeating Foe after foe after foe. Enemy after enemy after enemy. They're talking about overcoming the land, the, the, the inhabitants of the land of Canaan to take over. And they knew that it wouldn't be just one battle. They knew it would be many battles. But they summed it all up in one little word. We can overcome it. IT. Listen, all those battles you're fighting, God can sum it all up into one, two letter word. It, whatever it is in your life that's, that you think is defeating you, whatever it is in your life that you think is bigger or stronger than you are, God can overcome it and you can overcome it through his power, through his strength and through his might. Whatever your excuses are, whatever that it is in your life, you are well able to overcome it. Don't take it. Don't make excuses. Don't let the devil give you any excuses. Amen. Do what God has called you to do. Now, there's a very interesting verse in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 that I want to point out. The Bible says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense 
of reward. In other words, the payoff is well. What is the payoff well for? If, for those who don't cast away their confidence. Have you ever gotten uh, into the thick of it? Trying to do something? And, and, and it becomes so difficult to finish what you started that you just want to walk away. You just want to throw your hands up and quit. You say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Some of you right now are thinking about quitting the ministry. Uh, some of you right now are thinking about quitting preaching or quitting teaching or quit doing whatever it is. Uh, maybe maybe uh, you don't want to teach Sunday school anymore. Maybe you want to back out of church. Uh, it's, it's, it's the, the warfare is too stout for you, so you think. And you're fixing to just cast away your confidence. It's, I just I can't do it anymore. But the Bible says that if you won't cast your confidence away, there's a great reward that will follow if you will maintain your confidence the confidence that God's call is on your life the confidence that God will finish what he started the confidence that God will infuse in you the power and the resources and the anointing and the provisions that you need to do what it is that he has called you to do I'm talking about looking for a place to cross you're not going to get there without a fight honey you might as well just roll up your sleeves and commit amen you might as well just say you know what I'm going to keep my confidence I'm not going to let this battle steal my faith. I'm not going to let this struggle rob me of my determination to follow through on what it was that God called me to do. That's right, Brother Larry. Never, never give up. Amen. You let God use you. And when you get discouraged, do not cast away your confidence. Because if you don't, there's a great reward following. Amen. Amen. It'll be worth it after all. It'll be worth all the struggles, all the trials, all the hardship, all the obstacles. Amen. You just keep pushing and you keep praying and you keep serving and you keep doing what God's called you to do. And I'm telling you, you can learn that nothing is impossible with God and you can overcome anything and everything that comes your way. And you don't have, you just put it in the hands of the uh, hands of the Lord and trust him with it. And he'll fight your battles for you and you can shout the victory one day because you did not cast away your confidence. Amen. That's right, Sister Carol. We will not quit. Amen. Philippians 1 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Has Jesus returned yet? No. Okay. Then that means he's still working on you. Because he's not going to stop somewhere between now and when he returns, the Bible said that he will perform it. What is it? That good work in you that he started. What God starts, God finishes. And this implies a perpetual working. It's not like God set you in motion and said, okay, I'll come back around and I'll circle back in a few years and see how you're doing. No, 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 no. God works perpetually on the scene, behind the scene. Whether you see it or not, God is working on your behalf. That good work He begun in you, He is perpetually performing all the way up until He comes and calls you home. So until you breathe your last breath or until you hear that trumpet sound, God's not through with you yet. Amen.
Now, you may have thrown your hands up and said you're through with God, but that didn't stop God. God still loves you, and God never quits. That's right, Brother Larry. God never quits. God never stops working on you. I like that old song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took Him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient He must be, for He's still working on me. Amen. And so, listen, you need to know that uh, and have confidence, not so much in yourself as in the God who picked you, the God who equipped you, the God who called you, and the God who anointed you. Amen. Uh, being confident of this very thing that He, God started it. Listen, there have been many times I could have easily quit the ministry. Easily. Well, I don't know how easy I would have been put in the woodshed, but you get what I mean. Gary Caudle, if this old flesh had his way, there, there were many times I didn't feel like getting up in the pulpit and giving a word. Many times. But guess what? The faithfulness of God's call on my life carried me in those moments that I could not carry myself. And the same God that's kept me going uh, through thick and through thin, and even when I've blundered, He's picked me up and dusted me off and set me back on my way again. The same faithful God. We sang about how great His faithfulness is this morning. The God who's been faithful to me, the God who's been faithful to all of His servants through all the years, He's going to be faithful to you. Amen. So just don't cast away your confidence. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope that God can use you and hold Hold on to hope that we can reach our children and our grandchildren and we can leave a legacy of faith for future generations. I'm not giving up because God's not giving up. And God's Word still works. God's Spirit's still moving. Until the church is called up out of here and raptured out of here, we're still to be salt and light. Amen. We're still in the day of grace. We're still preaching that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's just as true today as it was 2,000 plus years ago. And this word just has just as much power in it today as it did back then. God ain't quit and His word ain't quit working. The ones that's quit working is you and me. God help us to get some confidence again in the word of God. Confidence in the promises of God. Confidence and reliance in the spirit of God and see God do great and mighty things with our lives. Amen, church. I'm talking about looking for a place to cross. Uh, we've got to have a commanding attitude, but we've got to have a confident attitude. Listen, sometimes uh, you just have to step out in faith. Sometimes you just have to trust God. Even, you remember the fellow that prayed to the, the Lord? He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Amen. I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Sometimes uh, we have that nagging doubt in the back of our mind that causes us to wonder, well, what if I step out and just make a big mess? What if I step out and this don't work out? Well, let me ask you what if. What if you do everything that you feel like God called you to do and it didn't turn out anything like you thought it would? Here's where your confidence needs to be. Your confidence don't need to be in your ability to see the results of your labor. Your confidence needs to be in God's ability 
to keep count of the seed sown and give it its fruit in its season, whether or not you ever see it come to fruition in your lifetime or not. You see what I'm saying? You can't, you, we're not in this thing necessarily to get to see the results of our labor while we're here. Sometimes people get to see that. A lot of times people don't. Your confidence is in knowing that the Word of God will not return unto Him void. That it'll accomplish what He sent it to accomplish. And if I preach the next 50 years and never see a convert come to Christ, heaven forbid, but if that were to happen, I would still have to keep preaching and believing that the seeds of God's Word were sown and that somehow, some way or another, that God's Word will produce results, whether it's within my view in, in this lifetime or not. Amen. And you've got to quit gauging your success or failure by what you define as results. We can't produce results. All we can do, some sow, some water, but God gives the increase. The confidence that we need is not in our ability. Listen to me. I love you, Washington Heights Baptist Church, and I trust that you already know this, but just in case somebody's tempted to think otherwise, let me tell you, do not make the mistake of putting your confidence in Gary Caudle or the Caudle family to, quote, build. Washington Heights Baptist Church. When you do that, it will fail because our confidence is not in us. Our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ who put us all together and we're feeling around if happily we might find Him and see if He'll do something great and mighty in our midst uh, for which we can all give Him praise and honor and glory for. But we need to know where our confidence lies. It's not in our ability to grow the numbers, to attract the crowds. Uh, that I so what? What if we got a thousand people over the next two years to attend our services? What if we built on uh, and we built it with great talent and we called it success? Uh, but what if we had leanness in our soul? What if we bragged about what we had uh, on the outside but we lacked confidence and faith in God on the inside because we was congrat too busy congratulating ourselves for our efforts and our work? I'm telling you, why our confidence doesn't need to be in what we can produce the the results that we think that we can produce. Our confidence needs to be in the God who keeps count of all of the seeds that are sown and knows when and where to water and give the increase regardless of whether or not we're there to enjoy the fruit of it. Can I get an amen? Now that's real talk. Our confidence needs to be that God's doing the work. He's asked us to get engaged. We've got our assignment. We need to do our assignment. And we need to trust God with the results, whether they are appealing to us between now and heaven or not. The main thing is, that were we obedient? Amen. Did we do what God told us to do? There are many times I felt like I should have seen somebody come to the altar and give their life to Christ. And the devil goes to whispering, well, you just can't preach. You messed it up. You blundered. The devil talks to me like that after many sermons. Look, you preached your heart out. Not one person went to the altar. And the devil, if you're not careful, he'll have you convinced that your efforts are fruitless and worthless. 
But the devil is a liar. The seed of God was sown in hearts. And God is doing a work in people that I can't see with the natural eye. And I have to wait patiently on the Lord to do what He's going to do. And He may not ever give me the privilege of seeing how impactful that message was in somebody's life till we get to heaven. And so be it. Maybe that's to keep me humble. I don't know. But I can tell you this. Our confidence needs to be in the fact that God's Word works every single time when we believe it and when we obey it. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Looking for a place to cross. If we're going to get there, we're going to have to have some confidence in God's Word and in the God of the Word. Amen, church? Amen.